You're listening to episode 102 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, and today's episode is part three of 100 Lessons Learned in Self-Care and Business. If you're new here, my name is Kaylee, and I'm the host of Self-Care Sunday, a podcast that I started after experiencing intense burnout from my first startup and wanted to create a minimal media project to essentially document my own mental health and business journey. So in this podcast, we talk about everything related to social media, entrepreneurship, creativity, self-care, and I occasionally bring in guests who I admire to share their journeys and lessons learned. If you are a returning subscriber, hey, while you're listening, please screenshot this episode and share on your Instagram story tagging at Self-Care Sunday. It helps new listeners find the show. And before we get into today's episode, I'm going to start a bit of a new segment, which is my weekly self-care Sunday pick. I might need to come up with like a better name than that. I just thought of this basically today, but it's something that I'm loving this week that has been part of my self-care routine, whether it is a product, a book, a recommendation of sorts that will be linked in the show notes. So today's self-care Sunday pick is the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which I talk about more later in this episode, but it is a book that I've read multiple times the audiobook is great too, highly recommend, and something that I think every creative or person pursuing a creative entrepreneurial path needs to read. It's linked in the show notes, and yes, it is an Amazon affiliate link, which means I make a very, very tiny percentage of the sale if you do purchase through that link, and this is kind of going to be my new way of helping fund this podcast. Um, but I'm excited to share some of my favorite products and things with you guys over the next coming weeks. All right, let's get into today's episode. So if you haven't already listened to part one and part two of 100 Lessons Learned in Self-Care, part one was pretty general lessons learned, and part two was lessons learned related to relationships, friendships. Part three, today's episode, is all about business. So I am actually a firm believer that self-care and your finances and business can all intertwine and I'm going to share some of the things that I've learned along my journey in business over the past uh, six or seven years of being an entrepreneur now. I started my very first business straight out of university. I was actually in my last year of university when I co-founded my first startup and that was back in 2014, and I've been self-employed ever since. I went from startup founder to being a freelancer, consulting in social media space, to working in influencer marketing, and opening now Armana Agency, which is my influencer agency, and have learned so much from building these businesses and navigating the freelance world and even as a content creator and influencer myself i'm going to share a lot of these lessons learned in today's episode and if you are not an entrepreneur i think a lot of these things will probably still apply but this episode is definitely more geared towards people who are starting a business want to start a business our content creators, freelancers, influencers, or anybody in that space. So this is for you guys. All right, the last episode left off at number 66, and so today we're starting at number 67, which is choose your team wisely. Whether it is a co-founder, a business partner, employees, 
these people can really make or break your business and I learned this very early on. Um, my very first business I co-founded actually with the person that I was dating at the time. Our relationship only lasted about six months, but the business continued and grew on for many years. Three years after that, we worked together as co-founders on this business, and it is very difficult to work with somebody in that capacity if you also have a personal relationship with them or personal feelings. And so I mentioned in my last episode on relationships and self-care that I would never start a business again with somebody that I was dating (laughs) or with a best friend. Um, But in that same vein, the people that you hire in a business or if you choose the right partner It can absolutely elevate everything that you're doing. And as a solopreneur for, I guess, the past few years, I was freelancing on my own and really thought that I loved working on my own because in my first startup, I managed a a pretty small team of about six people and I thought that I didn't like being a manager because I was really young and was really figuring things out as I was going. Like, keep in mind, I was 21 when I started that business and I was managing people at that age who were my age and in some cases older than me. So there was a huge learning curve and I really didn't like being a manager in that setting. But after a few years of building my own business as a self-employed person, as a freelancer, after I left that startup, I learned so many things. And now, actually recently, so I think January 2021, was really when we started building out a real team for Hermana. And up until that point, Hermana was basically me and my sister, who has been my assistant since day one. For those of you who don't know, hermana in Spanish means sister. And I was really, really, really hesitant to bring on other people to the team because I was scared of managing. I was scared of training. I thought that my entire business was built on my expertise and I didn't know how to replicate that. And then as soon as I decided to dip my toe in and make that jump and hire somebody, oh my gosh, you guys, I found the best people to bring on my team and things have been growing so immensely because everything no longer relies on me. I have brought in people who are better at a lot of the things that I thought I had to be the one doing. And so when you build a team that are people who fill in your weaknesses and complement those weaknesses with their strengths... It honestly is life-changing. So shout out to my team, which is still quite small. There is, I guess, four or five of us now at this point. And we don't just have subcontractors anymore. I have actual employees and it's been seriously life-changing. I'm so grateful for having such an amazing team. And so if you are in a position where you are a solopreneur or you're thinking of starting a business with someone, choosing those right team members can absolutely make or break what you're doing. Number 68, you don't need quote-unquote experience to be qualified. You can create your own experiences. So have you ever read a job description for something entry-level that required job experience? Like something that is supposed to give you job experience is requiring experience? It makes no sense. The good news is that 
we live in a digital era where creative and business tools have literally never been so accessible. And so everything that you need to build a creative business or become a service professional in any like creative marketing field or to really sell a product even is available to you for basically free. Instagram is your free portfolio. Canva is your free design software. YouTube is your free schooling. You can build your own projects, blogs, side hustles, e-commerce stores, and use these as experiences to get you to where you actually want to be. So when I was first starting my freelancing journey, I didn't necessarily have clients under my belt other than my first startup. And what I did was I created projects content, things that I love doing, my own blog, this podcast, and use those things as kind of portfolio builders to show clients that I knew what I was doing. And so whether you are a freelancer or an entrepreneur or somebody who's applying for a job, you don't need to wait for somebody to give you permission to get experience. I really am a firm believer that you can create your own experiences and get started on your own. Number 69, always be curious, never be bored. One of the greatest resources in business is the internet. Like it sounds maybe cliche or basic, but it is this vast infinite resource of free knowledge that you can read and watch and learn literally anything you could ever want to know. Now there's a lot of courses and things that are absolutely useless and you need to learn how to decipher what is actually valuable information versus what is just somebody trying to make money through a course. Um, But even like some top Ivy League universities offer free online courses for things. And if you build curiosity into what you do every single day and make time to research things for fun, you will constantly be improving your skill sets and expertise in your industry. Number 70, don't do work for free. There are very, very few instances that I think are an exception to this rule, but in general, in business, don't do work for free. 71. Your time is valuable. Your time spent answering emails, phone calls with clients, brainstorming, shooting content, developing a plan, whatever it is, it's worth something to someone even if that someone is just you. And the thing about time, unlike money, is that you cannot make more of it. So once you've spent your time, you cannot undo it, which is why time is so valuable. Money, on the other hand, can always be made. Which leads to one of my favorite quotes and philosophies, which is, the way you spend your days is the way you spend your life. It's easy to get caught up working, overworking, building, and being burnt out as a business owner, especially if you have plans for future growth. Even if you're not an entrepreneur, you know, our lives as adults really revolve around work. But the reality is how you spend every single day is how you are spending your life. And if you don't like your clients today, or the work that you're doing, or you don't like how you feel when you wake up in the morning because you actually dread your job, don't wait until some magical number to fix it or some perfect timing. 
it honestly might not ever come and you might look back three years from now feeling the same things every single day, still unhappy, and at that point, that is your life. It's no longer just a daily thing. Like, those daily things are what make up your life. Number 73, another one of my favorite quotes that has become much more relevant as an adult. There are two things certain in life, death and taxes. Which leads me to number 74, save at least 30% of your income. (laughs) Whether or not it's for taxes, if you are an employee, saving 30% of your income is going to put you in a really great position as you get older. If you are an entrepreneur, you better be saving at least 30% of your income for taxes to just cover yourself. And honestly, if you are not in a position to do so, to be saving that much, start with 20 or with 10%. Whatever you can manage to save is better than nothing. A little bit. Even $50 every month is better than nothing. My dad taught me that and I remember when I first started freelancing, I was like living paycheck to paycheck and honestly every month couldn't even afford to save $50. But when I got in that mindset of a little bit saved is better than nothing saved, it gets easier to get in the habit of saving more and more and more in the long term. Now this leads into number 75, which is kind of shifting your mindset around what saving actually means and this is something that I kind of struggled with in my early 20s but saving money doesn't always mean cutting expenses sometimes saving money means increasing your rates so in general we hear a lot of rhetoric I think as millennials especially about cutting small costs that add up like look if I stop getting Starbucks every other day that's like a thousand dollars in savings over a year, which granted is a decent chunk of money, but if I increase my client packages from $1,000 to $2,000 monthly, you can all of a sudden save that $1,000 and more while still enjoying your daily Starbucks. So if you are not in a position to increase your rates, Look at what you can do to improve your skill set or improve your client offering so that you can justify a rate increase. Because if you're able to increase your rates, it means that you don't need to cut out these little things that you love and actually bring you joy in your daily life and can be a part of your self-care. Number 76, keep your business expenses within your business and your personal expenses within your personal accounts. The less crossover, the better. It's easier overall to treat yourself like a business, even if you are just a sole proprietor or a freelancer, or even if you just have a side hustle, for example. If you create a new business account for that, I think it really helps your mindset as well in terms of managing the money of your business versus managing your personal expenses and your personal income. Plus, your accountant will love you for keeping track of your expenses in a more organized way and separating everything from the beginning. Number 77 is to learn to delegate. This is something that I seriously struggled with my first business. I literally thought that if I wanted something done right, it was just faster and easier for me to do it the way that I wanted than to take the time to explain how to do it to somebody else. And in some cases, that's true, I guess. Like, yes, training takes time and hiring is a process, but 
The hard truth for my perfectionist solopreneurs is that if you want to grow without completely burning yourself out, you need to learn to delegate. And yes, I say learn because it is a skill to be able to delegate to people in a way that is effective and efficient so that they do things exactly how you want it done versus you having to go back and redo it afterwards. This is also something I struggled with, giving constructive feedback and really setting a person up for success from the beginning with like clear instructions and exactly how you want something done with no room for them to guess unless you don't know how you want it done, in which case let some like hire somebody else who's better at that thing than you so that you don't burn yourself out trying to figure it out. Number 78, contracts are important. Make sure to have a contract in place for any client work you're doing and review your contracts carefully for brand deals and larger partnerships that you might take on. So a good contract is meant to protect you in the absolute worst case scenario and basically sets up all of the terms for working together with someone, whether it's an employee contract, a client contract, a brand deal, anything like that. Like contracts are super important. And I only know this because I've been on the end of partnerships that have ended poorly. And unfortunately, in one case, the contract was pretty basic and vague and it led to a ton of stress, time, and lost money that honestly could have been avoided if the contract was just set up properly in the first place. Number 79 is that a good mentor can change your life. And I have a couple people in mind when I say this, um, all women in business or in industries that I really admire who have basically answered any questions that I've had about building a business, hiring, investors, and have also like connected me with other people in their network who have connected me to potential clients and big opportunities that literally change the trajectory of my business. And it's just really amazing when you find other people who are ahead of you in their business journey who can share the advice uh, for similar things that you might be going through and can answer any questions that you have and again, like really guide you and help set you up with clients. Like finding people who want you to succeed is in a way kind of rare, um, but it like can seriously change your life or your business when you do find those right people to help guide you. Number 80, there is such a thing as bad mentors too. And I didn't really understand the difference when I started my first business, but I learned that there's people who want to truly see you succeed versus mentors who want to see your business succeed. And the latter won't necessarily be there to support you if and when the business fails. Number 81 may be controversial, but if you want to do anything entrepreneurial or work in a creative field like marketing or PR, you do not need to go to university. <laughs> and it's not that I regret doing my degree. I honestly loved school. I still think about going back and doing my master's sometimes because I'm just like an academic at heart, I think. But I didn't need my degree to do what I'm doing now. In fact, my degree didn't really teach me anything related to what I'm doing now other than it gave me the skill 
to research and think about problems in a critical way to come to a solution. These are the skills that university taught me, but the course material is, was not related to anything I'm doing now. So for context, I did my bachelor's degree in uh, philosophy and leadership studies. I originally wanted to go into law and then into politics, but I've also always loved performing. I was a musical theater nerd in high school and have always been a singer and a musician and loved fashion. In my last year of university, I had really thought about pursuing more of a creative path and um, got really, really into fashion. I was signed to a modeling agency. I wanted to do my master's in fashion studies and I actually got accepted to Parsons in New York City to do my master's there and I got a scholarship with it and everything. I ended up not going because the same year I had co-founded my first startup and A, Parsons is a very expensive school. So even with a large scholarship, it was like, I think like a $50,000 scholarship, I was still going to be paying a ton of money to live in New York City, to travel back and forth to Canada on breaks, and to just pay for like all of the expenses that come with going to a university in the United States. B, I, because I had already started my business, I kind of realized that like I didn't need to do my master's and if I wanted to do my master's, Parsons would always be there, but if I didn't pursue this business opportunity, it might be too late if I wanted to go back and try and do it, you know, in two years after my master's. So I ended up turning down Parsons, sad face. I was really torn about that decision actually because it was like a dream school, especially after, you know, growing up watching Gossip Girl in high school and always wanting to move to New York and be in New York. Um, but I turned it down and it ended up all working out because with my first startup, we ended up actually debuting and doing a show at New York Fashion Week. And if you guys have been following me for the past couple of years, you would know that now every year, I get invited to New York Fashion Week to go watch different shows as a blogger slash influencer content creator and had like a lot of viral videos on TikTok in 2019 showing my New York Fashion Week vlogs. So everything kind of came full circle in the sense that yes, I turned down Parsons, but now I'm still like ingrained in the fashion industry and go there a lot for work and opportunities outside of COVID times. But again, all of that to say that you don't necessarily need a formal academic education if you're interested in pursuing a creative field. Number 82, the quickest path to success is to provide value. So find a problem. Maybe it's something you've experienced yourself. And personally, I think those are the best business owners are people who have experienced these problems themselves and then build a business around a solution. So my first company I built when I was struggling with my mental health. I have lived with mental illness for many years and back in university, I was honestly so ashamed and embarrassed to talk about it. So the idea behind the first company that I co-founded was a clothing line to raise awareness for mental health issues. 
The problem was the stigma. The solution was creating a tangible product that could act as a conversation starter. My second company is Hermana Agency, which I started as just myself. I was freelancing at the time in influencer marketing, and the problem that I kept facing was honestly that I didn't love the way a lot of agencies traditionally worked with influencers, and I kept having this experience myself as a content creator, and I kept seeing other content creators being underpaid and taken advantage of. So I started Hermana, which means sister in Spanish, to basically act like your big sister in influencer marketing and help guide businesses and influencers that we work with. Problem, solution, value. Number 83, marketing can't fix a bad product. So if you're struggling to get clients or to sell your product, pouring money into influencers or ads is not just a magic wand that fixes everything. It is one part of the sales funnel, but the overall picture, the product, the branding, the service, the experience, the price, the relevance, these are all things that need to be considered and addressed before just jumping to pouring money into marketing because a good product or service should be able to sell itself to the right client or customer and then marketing is kind of the cherry on top to reach more people. Number 84 is to learn market rates and industry standards, especially if you are going at it alone. So if you're applying to a job or get a job offer, obviously do research to understand what similar positions provide as a salary, and don't be afraid to ask your peers what they are paid if they're in similar positions. I think rate transparency is really important. Um, but if you're a freelancer or a content creator, I think it's even more important to have those transparent conversations around rates and finances because in a lot of freelancing and especially in the influencer industry, there really isn't a standard. And so many people, especially women or young creators, get taken advantage of because of this. So it's really important to have those open conversations and to educate yourself on what the market rates are or standards for your industry. Number 85 is to learn to pitch yourself, not just cold emails, but when you're negotiating with a brand or a client, you are constantly pitching yourself and your services. I am actually not a fan of cold pitching, just like somebody that you have zero connection to. I think it's really important to build relationships with whoever you're pitching so you almost never end up sending an actual cold pitch email. But when you are in that conversation or negotiation phase, you are basically pitching yourself constantly and case studies are a really great benefit to add to your media kit or your portfolio. Because the better you can explain your value to clients, the higher the offer you can negotiate. Number 86, don't be afraid to negotiate. Take almost every offer that you receive as a starting point offer. The worst thing that can happen if you negotiate is that they say no, <laughs> and you either move forward with the original proposed rate or offer if you feel like it's valuable to you, or you say no and you walk away and you understand your worth and what things are worth to you. 87. I don't know if this is really a lesson learned per se, but 
99% of all multi-level marketing participants lose money. 99% of people in MLMs lose money. Something that I've never actually told anyone outside of like five people is that I joined an MLM in university. So between my own personal failure in that MLM and my best friend breaking up with me because of an MLM and just the cold hard statistics by the FTC that most people in MLM lose money, I am very passionate about this issue, but I will save the deep dive for a future episode. Number 88, don't invest in something or start a business in something that you don't understand. It sounds kind of like straightforward when I say it like that, but I think this has been on my mind so much this week because of all of the crypto chaos and people investing in things that they don't necessarily have a real grasp on. I've also seen a lot of quote-unquote creator economy startups or influencer platforms started by tech bros who have actually never worked with influencers in any real capacity before, and so the products and businesses that they build don't actually solve all of the problems that they think they're solving. So in my opinion, it is best to create a business or put your money into something that you actually have personal experience with or actually really understand. Going off of that, number 89, don't get all of your business advice from coaches on the internet. Seriously, the majority of these TikTok business coaches or clubhouse experts or Instagram coaches make most of their money by selling coaching and courses to people, not by actually building a business doing the thing that they say that they're successful in. So you know the saying, if you can't do, teach? Yeah, same thing. There is so much bad advice on these platforms because it's so easy for anybody to just say whatever they want and call themselves an expert, Um, but be really cautious of where you are getting your advice from. Number 90, just because someone looks or says that they're successful on social media doesn't mean that they are. Some people that I used to be good friends with, entrepreneurs, influencers, They would show travels on social media, their gorgeous apartment and new clothes, and then in real life, I would hear them talking about how their parents bought their plane tickets for those travels, or a boy that they were seeing flew them out, or that they were in credit card debt, or they would talk about having no money and being broke, and essentially they were trying to keep up this lifestyle specifically for social media. Number 91 don't compare yourself and your journey with that of anyone you see on social media because A, so many people just lie and can make their life look way better than it is and they could honestly be in credit card debt, you literally would never know. And B, for the people who genuinely are successful, you don't know what chapter in their journey they are on. So don't compare your chapter one to their chapter 20. Number 92, it's important to invest in yourself as an entrepreneur or a content creator, but that doesn't necessarily mean buying a $900 coaching course or a $2,000 brand new camera. Investing in yourself could mean borrowing business books from the library and investing your time 
into reading and learning. There's this rhetoric around boss babe culture, mostly perpetuated by MLMs and social media coaches, that to get ahead, you need to invest your dollars into yourself. And while I do understand that that is true for some businesses, especially if you are like a retailer, for example, and you need to buy products and samples and your inventory, depending on what type of business, like if you're an entrepreneur who is doing a service-based business or a content creator and you don't have the funds to quote-unquote invest in yourself, you can still grow. You don't need to invest thousands of dollars into programs or into a business opportunity in order to hit that next milestone just because somebody is telling you that you need to do that. Number 93, there will never be a perfect time to start. If you wait until you're ready, it will be too late. And if you haven't already read the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, I'm going to link it in the show notes because it is one of my favorites and it covers this concept for creatives really well. This is also my self-care Sunday pick of the week. It is my recommendation for you to invest in this if you are going to invest in something. If you're investing in yourself this week and you want to start a new book or even listen to the audiobook, borrow it from the library, you don't need to buy it. But this book has been one of my favorite books in my creative journey and in my entrepreneurial journey. So the concept is basically, have you ever had an idea for something and you sit on it and sit on it and you never act on it and then months later you see someone else do the same thing? Like maybe you had an idea for a TikTok or you had an idea for a new business and you just kind of sat and thought about the idea and you thought about it and you thought about it, but you didn't actually do it. And then later on, you see that same TikTok idea or you see the business that you were thinking in your head, but somebody else has launched it. And it sucks because you think, okay, that could have been me. Like they stole my idea. That was my idea. Well, Big Magic talks about why it's important to just start when you have an idea, because if you don't, that idea will move on to someone else who will do something with it. It's an idea that ideas are almost conscious in a way, which I really love, but I can't do the book justice, so you just need to go to the link in the show notes, go buy the book, or borrow it from the library, download it, find it somewhere. It's a great read. Number 94, again, maybe a bit of a controversial take, especially as someone in marketing, but your website doesn't really matter that much. Like, literally the only reason I'm saying this is because I haven't had a functional website for Hermana throughout all of 2021, and we literally have never grown faster or been busier, but it was all from referrals. And while I'm sure a website would help in getting more clients or maybe explaining what we do easier. I Like, it's not that I don't think websites are important to some extent. I just don't think that they are the number one thing you should focus on for your business. I think I see a lot of first-time entrepreneurs focusing so much on the appearance of your business, like appearing like you're super professional and wanting to look like a legit business versus actually being a legit business and actually doing things. I definitely understand when you're first starting out how 
creating a website and doing your this like really beautiful branding up front is what helps you get those clients. Um, it makes an impression on your customers or your clients. But I think what's more important than that is just providing a really great service or a great product and solving the problems of your clients. Because if you even just get one client when you're first starting out as a freelancer and they refer another and they refer another, you could build your entire career without ever building a website. Which leads me to number 95, the best avenue for new clients is referrals. So if you do a good job or you create a great product or you network well, word of mouth becomes your best friend and those people are going to convert at a way higher rate than a random person who saw an ad that was targeted to them on Instagram and stumbled upon your beautiful website. In that same vein, if you work in a creative industry like marketing, PR, social media, or maybe even none of these, maybe you are a real estate agent, one thing I think is true and consistent across all of those which is that your website might not be that important, but your social media presence is super important. Like social is the new search engine. And so let's use the example of if you're applying for jobs, you better believe that every recruiter is creeping your socials before the interview. So build a presence online that you're proud of and that relates to whatever industry you want to be in you don't need to be a content creator. I'm not saying that everybody needs to post as if they are an influencer, but what I'm saying is that you need to be mindful of the fact that social media 100% impacts your business and your career. And so if you don't want to be a content creator, put those things private. But whatever you have public, people are going to see and it's going to be a reflection of you as an employee or you as a business owner or you as a freelancer and it can be the best and worst thing for a brand in that regard personally instagram clubhouse and tiktok have been the top three avenues that clients have found me outside of referrals Um, i've never paid for an ad just creating content organically for free that has performed well that resonated with people that people shared with each other that has gained us clients. So it's been that and referrals. Again, I don't have a website right now. I'm working on it. I need to put some money or add energy or time into that, but that's how we've been able to grow so quickly over the past few months. Number 97 is both an adulting lesson and a business lesson, which is pay off your credit card on time every single time. If this is not financially possible for you, Either look at your spending habits to see what you can cut out, reassess your budget, or like I mentioned earlier, increase your rates, find a side hustle, something. And the reason why this is so important to me is because I was in basically like stuck in a credit card loop, I would call it, for basically a full year when I first started freelancing. I was literally living off of my credit card It was constantly maxed out and I would just pay the minimum balance every single month. And when I finally got to a financial place that I was able to make a lump payment, pay off everything, and from there on out, paid it off every single time I used it, I went back through my credit card statements from that initial year of freelancing and I learned that I literally spent like $1,500 just on interest in one year 
because I was only paying the minimum payment every month on my credit card. So to give context, at the time, $1,500 was like one full month of rent for me, and it honestly made me sick to my stomach to learn that I had spent that much over time literally on nothing, literally on credit card interest for not being able to pay the full balance every month. And I will say the credit system is honestly set up in a way to make money off of low-income people, which is really messed up and hard to get out of if you are in that cycle. Like, if you do get in the habit of maxing out your credit card and just paying off the minimum balance, it's really hard to get out of that. But that could honestly be a whole other episode, I think. But it brings me to number 98, which is if you want to start a business... There is no shame in continuing to work a 9 to 5 until you are financially stable enough to quit your job. So if that means continuing to work a normal, quote-unquote normal job until you save up, let's say, six months worth of expenses, do that. I did not do that, personally, and I kind of regret it. I've pretty much always worked for myself because I'm stubborn, mostly, but... Because of that, there was a long period of time when I was super broke and hustling so hard, like working way more than you would in a normal job and making way less money. And obviously everything worked out in the end and I learned so much from that, but it was not an easy path. And I think this idea of quitting your job and starting a business or freelancing is really over-glamorized versus doing the smart and responsible thing, which is having a job that's going to pay your bills to save that money and then go off and do the thing that you want to do when you have the money to do it. Because number 99, nothing kills creativity more than being broke. It is very hard to be creative and do your best work when you are constantly worried about how you're going to pay your bills. And that leads me to my very final lesson learned. Financial well-being is self-care. Number 100. I've said this many times before, it has become a recurring theme on this podcast, but it is one of the biggest lessons I've learned, and that's why I like to do these business episodes on Self-Care Sunday, even though it is technically a mental health, self-care-focused podcast, Making money has helped my mental health because money means access. Access to healthcare, access to therapy, to medication. It also means paying your credit card on time and not having to worry about how you're going to pay for your next meal or how you're going to pay rent. It means being able to treat yourself to little things like Starbucks or bath bombs and not feeling guilty because these things bring you pleasure and joy in your life. So if I can continue to provide some sort of guidance or advice through my own journey and hopefully inspire some of you that it does get better financially but also mentally, then I will keep making these episodes. That's all for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening all the way through. And if you're still listening, reminder to take a screenshot and share on your Instagram story at self-care Sunday. Some of the upcoming episodes I have planned are with an interior designer talking about how to make your spaces more conducive for self-care and a general life update episode. I have not done one in all of 2021 and I was MIA for a little bit so I'm going to give you guys kind of 
a brief update on everything that's been going on with Armana and just in my personal life too. So if you're not already subscribed and you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, leave a five-star review and rating. Don't forget to check out Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. It is linked in the show notes. And until next week, happy self-care Sunday, everyone.